Welcome to Pathway to Faith Podcast, the media ministry of Harvest Church International Outreach, where we elevate and nurture families through the Word of God. We are so glad that you are here and believe that God will change your life through today's message. Let's listen. So let's go to Jonah 3, and we'll get started. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Go to the city of Nineveh and proclaim to it, proclaim to it the message I give you. Um, the opportunity will always come again. There is always a chance to do it again. God will always give you an opportunity to do it again. Um, it was said by a woman of God, um, something I was looking at on television, you will always have the opportunity to do your first work again. You will always have the opportunity to start back at one. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days for him to go around. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, in 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed in God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. So I stopped right there because I said, well, they were cruel and evil, right? So they were, this interesting part, because they were the cruel and the violent city. Um, And these people, when Jonah came, didn't go for his head. They didn't, they didn't, because they easily could have just killed him, put him on the stake with the rest of the people they had on the stake, added his skull to the skulls of the rest of the people they had in the city, and been done, but they did not. Um, And although there was a God that they worshiped, they had heard about his. They had definitely heard about his because nobody put up a fight about what he said. So, and I said, well, God, why, why is that? Okay, if they already knew something about you and they knew because if God be before you, then who can, so you mean to tell me I got instructions to go somewhere that God had already been? So God will always go before you to do what you're called to do. Uh, Romans 8 and 31, if God be for us, then who can be against us? And y'all know I like conjunctions, correct? Okay, so if is a conjunction. I-F is a conjunction, and it means condition and stipulation. So the condition of your position with the king. Oh, man, that's good. I said I was going to stay right here. I'm going to stay right here. Okay, I'm going to stay right here. Okay, so it's if is condition and stipulation. So your position to the king presents your condition of him going before you. The stipulation of you being a child of the king and in contract with all of heaven means that he goes before you. So if God is for you, then who can be against you? And before is two parts. I like words. If you haven't 
you haven't discovered just yet, I like words, because I do believe if you know what you're saying, revelation comes at the point of your understanding. And so if you can understand what you're reading, then you have a revelation of what you have. So before comes in two parts. So before, B-E-F-O-R-E, that means to be in front of you. But God is also for you, F-O-R-Y-O-U. So not only does he go before you, but he is for you. Like we say, I don't know, maybe y'all know this slang, but he's for the streets, sis. Send him back, he for the streets. Right? Same thing. God is for you, sis. So it's okay for you to go back to him because he's for you. So he goes before, and then he is also for you. Deuteronomy 31 and 8, this was, I liked this one. And I, this is one of the ones that I have to remind myself of because sometimes when you're in stuff, you don't really, it doesn't feel like God is with you. And because it doesn't feel like it, sometimes you have a tendency to kind of waver in what you really know. But because you can't necessarily see him or what you see is not what you thought should have been. So it is the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Uh, Jonah 3 and 6, when Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued to Nineveh. By decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God and let, let's give up and give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. So, because Jonah did what he said he was going to do, the people heard the word of the Lord, and God stayed his hand. Now, he said in 40 days, I'm going to destroy you. But they were quick in their hearts and in their action. Because, you know, sometimes you can say you really want what God wants, but you don't act like it. Y'all know that? Okay, it's just me. And if it's that, that's okay. Because it's, it's just me. I'll tell the truth for myself. I really do want what God wants. I just don't want to do the work to do it. Right? I really, I really want you to just move and do this and relinquish me from the responsibility. Right? Because you're God Almighty. Which, you know, I didn't really need me in this. So can you just do this and... Release me from the responsibility of having to do it. And really what I'm saying is release me from the work that it will take to do it. Because you're telling me to go on this journey, but this journey took three days. It took three days to walk around and tell people that you were going to, in essence, kill them in 40 days. That's work. And for me to just find out that after I tell them what you're going to do, you decide you're not going to do it? 
but I don't think God was ever going to do it. So I'm, okay, so you tell me, Jonah, go tell the people. You tell me, believe what I said. You tell me, you're going to get what you, you're going to be healed. You're going to get the job. You're going to get this. You're going to do this. And you're a great person. The anointing and you're called and you're this and you're that. And I go to tell somebody. And after five years, nothing's happened. After, after six months, nothing's happened. After six months, they say the diagnosis I had previously is worse. So you send me out to deliver some news and then change it. And, and for whatever reason, I'm supposed to still trust you? How? I did what you said do. I told them what you said. And now you're saying, I'm going to stay my hand. But I was the prophet who walked around for three days. I was the person who cried out on my knees every night. I was the person that went to the hospital room and prayed. I am the person that said, we're going to, no, this is not going to happen. They're not going to take your house, and it's gone. I am the person that said, your son will live and not die, but he's gone. So when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. I don't think God's heart was ever to really destroy them. Um, no matter what state you find yourself in, God's not ever wanting to destroy you. But we get in situations where what other choice does he have? And and in the way you live right now, what other choice does God have? I had to ask myself, what, what other choice does he have? And do I stay in a storm because that's the only way God can get gratitude out of me? Do I always stay in something because that is the only way God can get gratitude? He will always stay his hand for a heart that desires to do what he says. Jonah 4. Let's go to chapter 4, shall we? This change of plans made Jonah very angry because we never consider ourselves the villain. So he got mad. And I can't say I don't understand it, because I might have been a little irritated as well. But he got very angry. And he got very angry because God didn't destroy people. He complained to the Lord about it. This is exactly what I thought you would do, Lord. When I was there in my own country and you first told me to come here, that's why I ran away to Tarshish. For I knew you were a gracious God, merciful, slow to anger, and full of kindness. I knew how easily you could cancel your plans for destroying these people. He was glad that God had mercy on someone else 
as if he had not just experienced it. He was so upset that they dis- God decided to save them. Who are you upset about? Who do you wish God would give a consequence to that you cried to get out of? Who is it that you're not speaking to because you believe they're not God's? Because you're upset they didn't speak to you on Sunday morning. It's quiet in here. It's quiet. Okay. Jonah was not the one. So, okay. So, he was mad that God had mercy on someone else. As if he hadn't experienced it just days before. Jonah was the one who chose violence. The cruel and violent people bowed their knee and went on a fast. And then Jonah became the very people he told them God would destroy. He became the villain. Now there are only, there is a whale, Jonah, the Ninevites, and a boat in this scenario. Which one are you? Are we, are we really mad? The way, are we really mad that God was going to deliver somebody? He was really upset that God decided punishment was not what they needed. But he didn't punish him. So the same way we choose violence on members who've offended us, on family members who've offended us, and and we hope for their spiritual and natural destruction in silence. We, we ask God to get them instead of to change me. We ask God to pay them, make them pay, instead of what, who was I in this situation? Who, who was I in this? So in the middle of Last year, right before the encounter, I really went on this, I want a heart that forgives, right? I really did. And I wasn't being funny. I, w- I really was like, I want a heart that forgives, that lives and lets live. I really want a heart to do that. And it seemed like God sent me on an apology tour. Like, for real, real talk. It was like, everybody. I was like, oh, if I was short with somebody, I'm I'm sorry. Oh, years have passed. People have been mad at me for centuries, and I ain't really care. But I had to, I am sorry, whatever I did. Some people I was apologizing to, the Holy Spirit would say apologize, and I didn't even know what I was apologizing for. Just being honest. I didn't even know what I had done to offend you. But I apologize. I'm sorry. And so um, one night I was at home, and I was just, I was like, man, I'm sick of apologizing. Have y'all been there? 
I'm sick of saying I'm sorry. I don't even know what I'm saying sorry for. You know, one situation in particular, I'm saying sorry. It's, it's not received. It's like it, they twist it and turn it. When you do something heartfelt and then they twist it and turn it, and then you just all discombobulated. And so I was all messed up. And basically because in that scenario, they meant something a lot to me. And so um, I'm at home, and I'm, I'm in my room, and I'm crying, and I'm crying, and this, and this, and this. And, and so I'm like, God, oh, this is not fair, and this is not, I don't understand it. And he was like, I just, very clear, I never said forgiveness would be painless. And I said, huh? I, I never said forgiveness would be painless. He said the cross was painful, and that was forgiveness. And so I said, oh. I said, but how, how do I, how do I recover? How do I? And he was like, you're bracing yourself. He said, you're bracing yourself for the wrong thing. He said, you're just worried about you being uncomfortable. He said, what about the person? that you made whole by saying I'm sorry. Because he made me whole at the cross. And that, was, that is the epitome of painful. There's pain in forgiveness. And we tend to skip over that when forgiveness is given. Um, it can be painful in a very large measure, and that is because compassion is literally leaving your body. Compassion is literally leaving your body. And to care about someone enough, you have to care and you have to love somebody enough to forgive them in whatever state they're in. To love them in whatever state they're in, and that can be painful. Jonah 4 and 3. So Jonah was so mad, he gets to 4 and 3 and he says, please kill me. Please kill me, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive when nothing that I told them happens. So now he's only worried about himself. He's back to, he's back to the well. He's back in it before the butt. Remember the man of God a couple of weeks ago, he said, or two, two or three services ago, he said, y'all, you're in the belly of the well and you don't know. Uh, he, he's in the well still and he doesn't know. Because he said, please kill me. I would rather die then, then this be what it is and everybody thinks that I'm coming to not say anything. Uh, my first inclination was like, who did Jonah think he was? Like, you got three little chapters, four little chapters in a little book, in the whole Bible. Who are you in this moment? But he said, and when at first you read it, because I, I read it a couple of times, when you first read it, you're like, okay, you're mad, I'm, I'm mad because 
I'm, I hit a storm, I'm in a whale, I get spit up on the beach, you speak again, I do what you're gonna say, and then here you come and you're gonna stay your hand. And that's, that's almost embarrassing. But that wasn't Jonah's problem. That wasn't his issue. He was literally mad that God didn't kill people. That's what his anger was from. So Jonah 4 and 4, then the Lord said, is it right to be angry about this? Now that's the realest I've ever heard God really talk or speak in the Bible. But he said, is it really? Is, is it really right for you to be angry that I extended to you? That I extended to them what I extend to you? Is it really right for you to be upset? That they're blessed? Is it really if right for you to be upset that they have something that you think you want? Which is my attention. See, at that moment, the Ninevites had his, his not only did they stay his hand, but they had his heart. And Jonah didn't feel like he had that same audience. And because he didn't feel like he had that same audience, now he's pouting. You know, like when we do, when we think it should be our turn and, and you mad because it should be your turn or you think it should be your turn to, to, to be up here and so you critique everything that's happening up here. You think it's your turn. You, it should be your turn. It should have been your turn. Why she get to, why they get to, why they get to services at, at a time, why they get to, why, why it's always them, why it's not us, why we can't. Listen, listen, let me help everybody. Let me sweep all of this. We don't know either why God qualified us and we don't be looking for a microphone. We don't want to be up here. We are being obedient, literally like you. We are literally being obedient. We know better than you all the reasons why we are not qualified. If you knew the mental and physical acrobats that have to happen before we do this, the level of sick Literally to your stomach. The sweaty palms, the pacing back and forth. Can't talk, can't think. Trying to figure out, God, why do you keep doing this to me? I was okay, listen, I grew up around here. I was in the sound booth. I was always in the back. I'm okay with being in the back. I'm okay with being away from everybody. I'm okay with just doing whatever, what needs to be done, and then rolling out. I'm okay with it. And I didn't do this because I believed in it. I believed in the God, in the man who said I should do it, and that was Bishop. I believed in his belief. I didn't believe in my ability ever at all. And I have never told him no. So when he said, I'm adding you to a minister's house, I literally fell out. I literally hit the floor in my house. 
My mom cried for a little bit, and she said, she was the first one to say, oh, you were born for this. I still didn't believe it. And it took me about seven years to be convinced. Because this ain't what you want on no day. Call to it, yes. Being obedient, yes. Is it hard? Yes. Do I cry? Yes. Do I ask for a reprieve? Yes. Do I ask, can you call me to something else? Yes. I've watched it, I've watched it be walked out. I've watched Bishop be misunderstood. I've watched him give and people turn around and throw it back in his face. I've watched him love and people not love him. Up close. I've watched him give and then they leave and get on Facebook and talk about him. I've watched it. I watched them come and apologize in private and still show out in public. I've watched it. So I wasn't signing up for this. This ain't, this, this wasn't, listen, this wasn't on my list of things to do. But now that I'm here, and I know you could do it better, but you gotta talk to God about your assignment. I'm just trying to get through mine, you understand? So I, I know you could do it better. I know you can exergize a text, as the man of God would say. I know you know, you know, apologetics. I know you know it. Hey, talk to God. Because I'll be excited when somebody else get a text message. We all, do, listen, let, the, let all the people, right, yes, see the hands? We be excited. That was my sidebar. I'm back now. Okay. All right. Jonah 4 and 4. Then the Lord said, is it right to be angry about this? So Jonah went out and sat and was sulking on the east side of the city, and he made a leafy shelter to shade him as he waited there to see if, see if anything would happen to the city. So now he's on countdown watch. He's sitting at the gates of the city to see if God going to burn it down. That's serious. Like, you, we've crossed into having a real problem. You know what I mean? But it's no different than when we show up to see who's up and just to see if they're going to mess up. And then call each other and talk about it after service. I mean, it's no different than when we see somebody, we see her skirts messed up or something's going on or something's happening and we call everybody and tell them, but we didn't tell her so she could fix it. We literally are sitting on the sidelines waiting on the failure and then come in here and lift our hands and say, God bless us. God increase me. To be a blessing to who? Like really, for real, think about it. God increase me, enlarge my territory. I'll have a thousand times more to do what? What is the purpose of the more? The word was for me first, so it smacked me in the head first. Okay, it got me first. 
So, and when the leaves of the shelter withered in the heat, the Lord arranged for a vine to grow up quickly and spread broad leaves over Jonah's head to shade him. Even in the foolishness, God said, let me just go ahead and grow this tree real good so he can have some shade. But do you realize the extent of how much God has to love you? That he knows you're in some foolishness and he still covers you? He knows you putting yourself in a position that could harm you and he still will grow a tree, will grow some leaves on a branch to shade you. So he, to shade him, this, this made him comfortable and very grateful. And again, I say, are you only grateful when God is doing something that you want him to do? Are you only grateful when you get something that God, that you get something that you ask God for and you think that, is that the only time that you give thanks? And again, I say, do you have to stay in the midst of a storm so God can keep you grateful? If everything was good, would he see you? If everything was good, would he hear from you? If there was no thorn in your side, there was no storm you were in, if there was no whale for you to get out of, would he see you? And just that fast, he lost gratitude from the previous chapter. God, do you have to keep me in situations to rescue me, to keep me with some measure of gratitude? If he gets what he wants, he's fine. And then he goes, it's almost, I want your benefits, but not your presence. I want what you can give to me, but I don't want your presence. So he was mad because God stayed his hand, but at this juncture, all he wants is a hand. But God also prepared a worm the next morning, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away and died. Then when the sun was hot, God ordered a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah, and the sun beat down upon his head until he grew faint and wished to die. For he said, death is better than this. Like, Jonah was, for real, had, a, had an issue. He seriously... It, this is for real a problem here. It, I mean, seriously. Because, you know, other, other stories in the Bible with people, when they got into a situation with God and God rescued and delivered, they stayed grateful at least to the end of the chapter. Right? You only have four chapters, sir. You're angry at chapter three. You just got out of the well in two. So... So he's, and he's saying death is better than this, but this is a tantrum. Because if God had killed him, would this have been what he wanted? So that you got to be real careful what you say. Be careful what you ask for, because if God really granted what you asked for, is that what you really want? Or are you throwing a tantrum and it's thinking you're going to manipulate God into doing what you want. 
Like when you tell you, you tell your children, this is this is what you have to eat. If you're not eating this, you're not eating. Okay, well I'm not eating. Okay. So what if God said, well then you're not eating for the rest of the year? But you pull this, I'm, I'm not eating today, and then God brings you the same meal the next day. Are you hungry yet? Can I, can I sit with you yet? Can, can I feed you now? Are, are you hungry enough? Are you desperate enough? Is this good enough for you today? Am I good enough for you today? Have I given you enough today? Have I saved you enough today? Have I rescued you enough? Or if God said, well, I'll just remove my hand. Even with where you are right now and all the stuff you think you haven't done, don't have, need to have, should have had, could have had. If God removed his hand today. What would it look like moving forward? The only reason there's peace in your house is because you can call on Jesus. Only reason there's gas in the car, money in the bank, food on the table, kids half sane, whatever it is, is because God did not give you the desire of your tantrum. And I, I've had them. I'm like, God, you know, I've been silly enough to say, listen, listen to this. Listen how silly I've been able to say, okay? I said, I'm just not going to do it, God. And whatever blessing you was going to give me to do it, just keep it. The audacity. <laughs> right? The audacity. You, you're like, okay, well, I, I just don't. Okay, if you was going to bless me because of that, I'm not doing that. So you can, you can hold that. You can keep that. What if God said, I'll keep the breath, too, in your body? Since you are refusing to do the very thing I created you for, then what is the purpose of living? And even in that, God didn't, God didn't leave me where I was. He gave me another chance, and another chance, and another one, and another one, and another one. Now, so many, there's, it's, it's unable to be counted, and I'll need one tomorrow, probably. Need something the next day, probably. Need something next year, probably. Need something next month, probably. So then he says, but God, no, then he says, and God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Is it right for us to be angry because everything in our lives doesn't look like we think it should look? Is it right for us to be upset because things that we thought would have been here are not here? But God's word doesn't change. So a promise is a promise. So it's going to happen. So why has it been delayed so long? 
Now, God, if I'm not ready, then help me get ready. Help me to see that I'm not ready. But we never want to be the villain in our own story. God, hide me from my enemies, even if my enemy is me. If, if we're saying that the Bible truth is nobody can stop you, if nobody can stop you, nobody outside of you can stop you, then what's the delay? What's the holdup? What instruction did I miss? And have I really been sitting in a well this long? And, and I didn't know? What did, what did I say I wasn't going to do? What, what have I ignored because it seemed too hard? What, what did not? Now, we already know God prepared, prepared the way because the people in, in Nivea just conceded to what he said. So what didn't I do? Or what was the motive for which I went? Then the Lord said, you feel sorry for yourself when your shelter is destroyed. Though you did not work to put it in there. And it is at best short-lived. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry for yourself when your, shelter is when your shelter is destroyed, though you did no work to put it there. And it is at best short-lived. So God's saying, you're upset that I created something for you to find safety. You put no work into doing it. And now upset that it's gone. That is audacity personified. But I had to ask God, how much of that is me? How many things have you fixed without me obeying? How many things have you rescued me from and I didn't do all the instructions? And I celebrated because I, I did step one through two, but you have given me five. I wanted a hand clap for doing one through two, but I was supposed to do one through five. I needed a pat on the back for doing one through two, but I had three more steps left to go. And I want what would have happened at five at two. I want you to show up at step number two and do what you were going to do at five. And if I just so happen to get to five, then I want you to do something extra. I, I want you to be the genie in the bottle. I want to come. I want to lift my hands, I want to worship, I want to praise you, and then I want you to do everything on my list without giving you time, obedience, effort, sacrifice. I just want you, now these are all the things you did to get me straight. He was obedient when he went to the cross, correct? He made a sacrifice when he went to the cross, correct? 
He gave of himself when he went to the cross, correct? He's not asking me to do anything he hasn't done already. This is what he did already. But here I am. I think there's safety in the whale because there's no responsibility in the whale. There's nothing that you have to do in the whale. But hold on. There's nothing that you have to do. There's nothing that requires you because he went from the boat to the whale to the beach. The whale had to spit him up. The whale had to swallow him down. Even in that, the whale had the responsibility. So then once he spit him up, he's on the beach. He could have spit him up in the water. He spit him up on dry land. So God took you out of this situation, put you in a far better one, and then you get to verse 4 and you're still angry. And verse 11, 4 and 11, and why shouldn't I feel sorry for the great city like Nineveh with its 120,000 people in utter spiritual darkness and all its cattle? Jonah was still in the well and didn't know it. He had physically gotten out. But mentally, he was still there. Mentally, he remained in a place that his body had been removed from. He stayed in a place that with all purpose was beneath him. And he didn't have to be there. But he remained there because he was upset. Because he did something God told him to do, but God didn't do what he thought he should have done. What are the things that we think God should have done in our lives? You should have delivered me. You should have got me. You should have stopped me. And so the man of God said a few weeks before Jonathan that God doesn't stop you from doing anything, right? But he empowers you. So I had to take a real look and say, and you've heard it, and you know how you hear it, and you hear it, that where you are right now is because of every decision you made. But now I really had to count the cost. Because sometimes decisions in your latter day, because the man of God talked about time and timing, time is different than timing. Timing is a rhythm and a cadence. Time counts. You either feel like you have lots of time left, like you're running out of time, or you're waiting on something to be your time, right? So I'm looking at when I thought I had all this time, what decisions got me to the place of now I'm running out of time because that's where I thought I would be here by now. That's where that come from. 
I thought I would be in this place by now. I thought I'd have this by now. And then you get to the, the latter part of that and you have more years be behind you than you do in front of you and you feel like you're out of time. And I just said, I don't wanna get to the more years behind me than in front of me and still have having a whale experience. Still sitting in the belly of the whale, complaining about things that I shoulda, woulda, coulda, God you said you were gonna do, versus getting on the beach, getting my assignment, staying in gratitude, remaining grateful that it may not be, the rescue might not have been what you wanted it to be, but nonetheless you were rescued. We, we have to, and I know people say, you know, in the world they say find the silver lining, but for real, you have to find the God lining. Find the God in it, okay? They gave you a diagnosis, but you're not dead. God, that means God is still in the business of healing. That means God can still do. And if God be before me, my contractual stipulation that if you go before me, then who can be against me? If you stand in front of me, now mind you, I still got my grace and mercy cue. I still got that crew. I still got grace, I still got mercy, I still got goodness, I got, still got shield and refuge. I still got all that standing behind me along with the Holy Spirit. And then God before me, the deck has, al the deck has always been stacked towards me in my favor. So what really is the problem? That was my question to God this morning. I said, well, what really is my problem? What really is it that I'm doing? What really is it that I missed? And you know what God said to me? I don't know if this is for you, but this is for me. You have compared every experience you've had to somebody else's highlight reel. Facebook is highlights. Twitter is highlights. Instagram is highlights. They take that picture 559 times, put a filter on it, and then put it on there. So you're comparing your real life to somebody's altered, an edited highlight reel. And then you wonder why you can't be grateful for what God has done. And so I had to say, God, I repent. I'm sorry that I've been so busy scrolling my life away. That I'm watching everybody else so-called live, so I think, because again, it's a highlight reel. So most of the influencers, most of the people you see going on these exotic vacations, doing this and doing that are broke. They're not doing that stuff. They're staging it in their living room. They look happy in the family photo. They're not speaking once the click happens. 
We are working overtime to say, oh, that's marriage goals. Oh, goals. You know, that's what we do now. Goals? Okay, girl, I see you. Goals? Not knowing that she don't have nothing. The car she drive is leased. The hair she drive is, the, the hair she bought is afterpay. It ain't hers yet. They can come get it. Oh, you can do everything on afterpay, including hair. Them Jordans he borrowed from his friend to take the picture. The car they in, they borrowed from their friend to take the picture. They took the family photo, and then the husband and wife went to separate rooms. You have no idea the cost to be with that man. Stop wishing your husband was somebody else. You don't know the cost it is to be with that woman. Stop wishing your wife was somebody else. How dare you compare God's gift to you to somebody else's? It was designed and custom made for you. He was designed and custom made for you. And oh, I just want him to be like, you weren't built for him to be like her, him. If he was him, you couldn't handle it. That's why you're not married to him. You're married to he. Again, I'm not sure where that came from. Um, okay. Uh, I was wrapping up. We were going really good. I don't know where that came from, but, you know, hey. It's for me. It was good. It's for me. Um, but, yes, get out of the comparison game. That hinders you so much more than you know. Because you're not comparing real life. This man didn't tell you he don't really like his wife. He don't like her. The only time he's nice is at outside of places, at church, at wherever. He doesn't really like her. So she's smiling, trying to save face. While you're saying, oh, I wish my husband was like that. You better appreciate the husband you have. Oh, I wish my child would be like this. Your child's not like that. Your child's like your child. Be happy that your child is like, your, like them. Get to know them so you can appreciate what's good about them. Oh, I want my child to be like this. Not knowing she was in the club two weeks ago, setting that thing out. But she can come in here and worship and we say, oh, I want my daughter to be like that. Do you? All you are seeing is highlight reels. And it's hard to stay grateful when everything you see is shiny and everything you think you're looking at is dull. This is shiny. Everybody goes for what's shiny, 
But now my vision is all messed up because I've been looking at the shine. So I turn to my house, my family, my car, my job, my dream, my vision, and it doesn't look shiny. And then I'm upset with God as if he missed it. I'm upset like God didn't do something for me. When you have no clue that y'all the happiest people on the block. Your husband want to talk to you. He want to come home to you. Your wife want to see you. She want to come home to you. Your children are happy. They live in. They're happy. They hope you're the happiest people on the block. So my, so all of this to say that the well experience doesn't have to be had. That the, the boat the, the whale was a rescue and not punishment. Because a lot of times, and that's probably one of the other biggest things, this was God talking to me, I know this is, may not be you, but this was me, that I feel like everything is punishment. I feel like every time something doesn't go the way I think it should go, God, you're punishing me for something. Like, what did I do now? What did I say now? What did I miss now? And everything God doesn't bestow upon you is not punishment. Sometimes it is the very blessing that you need it. It is the very thing that God said, mm, not, mm -mm, not that. It looks good, but it's not good. Y'all need that. Don't do that. But the only reason I think it's punishment is because I'm really, I really, really, really don't know. I can't know how much God loves me. I haven't dug deep enough. I haven't dug deep enough. I haven't, I haven't gone far enough to be able to tell myself that no, that's not true. This is not punishment. No, God, whatever you want to do. God, you said you go before me, so you are before me in this. So whatever you want to do, however you want to do it, no, this is not punishment. No, I'm not in a well. No, I haven't missed it. No, I'm not out of order. No, I'm not wrong, but I'm, I'm right here with you. And if I don't hear nothing, it don't mean go. It don't mean move. It means stay still. And staying still is hard, too. Because then you look around and think people are moving past you. And you, will ha you have no idea what they're moving for or who they're moving for. It's okay to just think it don't mean go left. It don't mean go right. It just means stay still. And let, and let God speak to you and be very clear so that you're able to give the yes the first time. So that we don't have to experience a storm and we don't have to experience the whale to remain in gratitude. And with that, I pray that you got something out of this. I pray that it was something that hit home for you. I pray that it was something that could bless you. I pray that it was something that resonated in your spirit. If anything else, I pray that if you weren't in a whale, you weren't getting one.
Two, you've discovered if you were in one, it's time to come out. And three, that God really speaks again and that he's going to say it to you again. Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give generously and make this ministry outreach possible. Click the link in the description to give now or visit hcio.org slash podcast for more information. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Even tag us on social media at Harvest Church KC. Thanks again for listening.